is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor. Wake up live, live and in studio today with this week's Wolf Wake Up Live. And I'm going to start out with the weekly wrap for the week ending December 2nd. And there wasn't much action in the first half of the week coming off the holiday fuel gains of last week. Participants played a waiting game in front of Fed Chair Powell's, Fed Chair Powell's speech on Wednesday, which I'll talk about here in a little bit, and the slate of key economic data that came out this week. The market liked what it heard in Powell's speech. Things took off in a big way on Wednesday. Fed Chair Powell reportedly did not tighten the screws on his monetary policy position any further. Some will contend that he actually loosened the screws a bit. He would argue that he he showed up with his toolbox at the Brooks Institute but never took a tool, tool out of the box. The market waiting with bated breath for the Fed Chair to lower the hammer let out a big sigh of relief when he did not. The market's worst fear then was not realized and that he became a real rally catalyst that ultimately triggered a huge short-covering rally and some chasing action as the S&P 500 broke above key resistance in its 200-day moving average. It was an overreaction in our estimation because the Fed chair repeated just about everything he said following the November FOMC meeting. But in splitting logistic hairs, some added attention was paid to a summation that the ultimate level of interest rates will be somewhat higher than previously expected versus the original contention that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. Mr. Powell's remarks and tone presumably lessened the fear of another 75 basis point hike. Granted, the Fed funds is still going higher than current levels, but market participants can smell a peak in the policy rate at around 5% in the first half of next year. If the FOMC elects to raise the target range by 50 basis points at the December meeting, the target range will be 45 to 4.5%. On Thursday, market participants received the October Personal Income and Spending Report, which favored the smaller rate hike at the same time it favored a soft landing possibility. Briefly, personal income increased seven-tenths of one percent month in October, and personal spending jumped eight-tenths of one percent. The PCE price index was up three-tenths of one percent month-on-month, and the core PCE price index, which excludes food and energy, increased by two-tenths of one percent. Over a year-on-the-year basis, the PCE price index is up six percent versus 6.3 percent in September, and the core PC price index is up 5% versus 5.2% in September. The key takeaway from the report was the improvement in inflation readings, particularly the core PC price index given Fed Chair Powell's emphasis that the Fed policy tools are better designed for working on core inflation. The big rally effort ran into some resistance as market participants contended with the notion that the upside moves might have been an overreaction, and the growth environment is going to be challenging given the past rate hikes and the rate hikes that are yet to come. A 49% reading for the November ISM Manufacturing Index was the first sub-50% reading the dividing line between expansion and contraction since May of 2020 reigned in some of the rebound enthusiasm. The strength in the midweek rally was tested again, when market participants received the November employment report on Friday. Non-farm payroll growth was higher than expected, and unemployment rate near, held near a 50-year low of 3.7%, and actually earnings increased at a robust six-tenths of 1% month over month, leaving men up 5.1% year over year. The report itself was 
good news from an economic standpoint, yet the market saw it as bad news, thinking it will push out an eventual pivot at the Fed with its monetary policy. In brief, the report signals higher for longer and with respect to the target rate of Fed funds rate. <clears throat> the initial retreat followed the employment report saw the S&P 500 breach its 200-day moving average. But by Friday's close, the index reclaimed a position above that level. All at all this week was a win for the bulls, given that the market showed some nice resilience for selling, to selling efforts, and the S&P 500 held the line in a key technical level. Nine of 11 S&P 500 sectors closed with a gain on the week. Communication services are up 3.3%. Consumer discretionary is up 2.1, enjoyed the biggest gains. Meanwhile, financials are down six-tenths of 1%. Energy is down 2%, while the loan sector is in the red by the end of the week. In the Treasury market, there was a big downswings predicted on thinking, predicated on, on thinking that the maybe the Fed won't have to raise rates as high as feared. The continued inversion along the yield curve reflects a festering concerns about the Fed raising rates into a weakened economy and inviting a recession. The two-year note fell 19 basis points. That would be 0.19% to 0.29%. The 10-year note fell 18 basis points to 3.51%. So looking at the weekly stock, the end of the week indexes for the week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is down 5.3% for the year. The NASDAQ is still down 26.7%. The S&P 500 is down 14.6% for the year. And the Russell 2000 is still down 15.7%. A reminder, you normally do not invest directly in the indexes. So keep that out there in front of you. Okay, high-frequency data tracker for the week. We saw initial jobless claims for the week ending November 25th at 225,000. That was actually an increase or a decrease at should say, of 6.6% over the previous week. Now, comparatively, back in 2019, there were 224,000, so it's getting really close. Continuing jobless claims as of November 18th, 1,608,000. That was an increase in continuing claims of 3.7%. Box up street says as of November 17th, we're down almost 35% after being way up the week before. Rail car traffic uh, as of November 25th down 16%. Steel production as of November 18th was down two tenths of 1%. Hotel occupancy for the week ending November 26th was down a whopping 20%. Uh, the operational state of the restaurant entry as of November 30th was down 8.6%. TSA checkpoint data as of December 1st 2,156,885 passengers a day were passing through TSA checkpoints. That's down 1.6%. Supply of motor gasoline in the U.S. as of November 25th eight, uh, was, was down one-tenth of 1%. And global commercial flights of December 1st, 98,263 a day. That was down 1.7%. Stick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here on KGMI. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute. Thanks for being with us. Hey, how was the grocery store? Everything is getting more and more expensive. I know. I stopped to get gas today and the price has gone back up. We need to talk about the budget again. The cold weather is here and we're going to need a new furnace or maybe a heat pump. I'm not sure which. Well, I was talking to Joe and he recommended Linden Sheet Metal. They had a new heat pump put in. The guys that came out to install it were professional and the heat pump works great. He also said there's up to $2,400 in rebates that we can tap into. That sounds great. Rebates and energy savings with a new furnace or heat pump? Let's call Linden Sheet Metal and make an appointment. Call Linden Sheet Metal today and talk to us about staying warm this winter. Because in a world where it seems everything is more expensive, there are ways to save on installation and monthly utility bills. And we can also help with low monthly payments. Linden Sheet Metal, serving the Northwest for over 80 years. Do you 
want to make a difference? From Bellingham to Walla Walla, Colville to Vancouver, in 35 communities across our state, the Benevolent and Protective Order of Elks is making a profound impact. Washington Elks, men and women, provide medical assistance to children, support our veterans, and give scholarships to students in our communities. You can become a member of America's premier charitable and patriotic organization. Visit discoverelks.com to learn about our 35 lodges across the state. Sponsored by the Washington State Elks Association and aired in cooperation with the Washington State Association of Broadcasters in this station. KGMI Connects with Joe Tian is about our community and you. Hey, I, I want to uh, agree with the uh, with what Michelle said as far as you uh, listening. Very good to everybody and being open to every conversation, which is, I think, why so many people call. Join us each weekday at 4 p.m. for KGMI Connects. God bless you, Joe, for what you're doing, and, and we're glad to have you out there. On KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. And I'm proud to be an American, where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the men who died, who gave that right to me, and I gladly stand up. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you live and in studio today. All done running around for my football games, what have you. We're Asset Advisors. We are located out on the Pacific Highway in the Pacific Commerce Center out next to Wilson's Furniture. Our address is 5060 Pacific Highway Suite 101 Ferndale 98248. Our phone number 360-733-1200. I often get questions that I don't always spend a lot of time talking about here on the air, but we are fee-based investment advisors in our relationship with Carson Wealth. Uh, We don't charge any commissions on any of the products that we sell. Uh, We don't sell uh, annuities that have got front-end or back-end commissions. We don't sell any non-traded REITs or any of those type of things that got big commissions on them. So we avoid those type of things. Indexed annuities, we don't sell those. So those are some of the things that we don't do. But we are fee-based advisors, so we do charge a management fee for, for working with our clients. We type the focus on doing financial plans for our clients and helping them determine their path for the future. So that's what we do. And while we're talking about that, we do have an opening for another associate advisor. If there's somebody out there that's been in the business for a while that is ready to make a change and move where the direction where the industry appears to be moving, and that is more towards the fee side of the industry, uh, give me a call. I'd love to talk to you on a confidential basis, of course. And that number again is 360-733-1200. Follow a lot of data and a lot of things that I look at every week, uh, just kind of looking at things that we look at, helping us make decisions as far as investing our clients' portfolios and what have you. And, um, you know, one of the things that I've been paying attention to a lot is how uh, defensive sectors of the market basically have fared during periods of elevated inflation. And um, for the year through November 30th, the S&P 500 index was down about 13.12% on a total return basin. So the question is, could inflation and rising interest rates pose even more of a threat to the broader S&P index if it were sustained? Well, we look back to 1990, and we selected those calendar years where inflation, as measured by the CPI, rose at least 3% or more on a trailing 12-month basis. Well, why 3%? Well, because from 1926 to 2021, the average CPI rate was 3%, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. So for comparative purposes, we selected three defensive sectors, basically healthcare consumer staples, and utilities to see how their returns have matched up with those of the S&P 500 index. And the premise being that defensive sectors tend to be less cyclical in nature than their counterparts, and they can potentially offer investors better performance results in volatile markets. So basically, what did we find? Well, these defensive sectors posted a good showing relative to the S&P 500 index overall. Now, generally, again, I talk about growth versus value. Most of these would be under that value uh, sector. And all three outperformed the broader market in 1990, 2000, 
2007, and 2011, and all three are clearly outperforming the broader market this year. So from December 29th of 1989 through November 30th of this year, the average annualized total return posted by these four equity indexes were 11.93% for the S&P Healthcare, 10.79% for the S&P Consumer Staples, 9.96% for the S&P 500, so both consumer staples and healthcare outperformed the S&P 500, and 8.4% for the S&P Utilities, according to Bloomberg. So again, pretty good, pretty good broader report performances on those indexes. Something for you to keep in mind when you're out there looking at where do you want to invest your money. And um, a quick reminder here that uh, next Wednesday, December 7th, is the last chance for you to switch your Medicare drug plans and save for the year starting December or January 1st of next year. So basically, you see all these ads, you're being bombarded with ads, blockbuster holiday sales, most retirees may be missing their biggest savings opportunity of all, and that is a chance to slash your prescription drug plans costs for next year. The annual Medicare open enrollment season, where beneficiaries can switch their standalone drug plans to switch to a different Medicare Advantage plan that includes drug coverage, ends this next Wednesday, December 7th. And, of course, that new coverage begins on January 1st of next year. And unfortunately, most Medicare enrollees don't even bother to compare their drug coverage options during that open enrollment period. They could be particularly costly mistake this year. The Kaiser Family Foundation says that 60% of Medicare enrollees will pay a higher premium next year for their current drug coverage. The estimated average monthly premium for Medicare Part D standalone drug plans is projected to be $43 a month next year. It's a 10% increase from $39 this year. That 10% increase outpaces both the annual inflation rate and the 8.7% Social Security cost of living adjustment for next year. Average monthly premiums for the 16 national standalone Part D prescription drug plans are projected to range from $6 to $111 next year. Average monthly premiums increasing in 12 of those 16 national plans. In addition to the monthly premium, Part D enrollees with high incomes, and those are single over $97,000 for individuals and $194,000 for couples, are also going to pay that income-related premium surcharge, or IRMA. That comes directly out of your Social Security check, and that's going to range from $12.20 a month to $76.40 a month next year, depending on your income. Now, that's just on your prescription drug plan, by the way. I know. I just got my notice for this next week, this next year here this week. And most Part D plan enrollees also face much higher cost sharing for brands than for generic drugs, including coinsurance for higher preferred drugs next year. Close to half of all enrollees will also face coinsurance rather than co-pays for preferred brands. Coinsurance can mean less predictable out-of-pocket costs for co-payments. Most Part D plan enrollees who remain in their current plan for next year will be in a plan with a standard maximum of about $505 deductible. And beginning in 23, Part D enrollees will pay no more than $35 a month if they're covered with insulin. Um, The need to review your coverage is much greater for some people than others. Those that basically, if you can answer yes to any of the following three questions, are going to benefit from a review. Number one, has it been more than two years since you've last reviewed your medical Medicare Part D or Advantage plan? Has your health changed since you last reviewed your Medicare plan? And do you take any brand medications or do you take five or more medications? If that's the case, you should be reviewing your plan before next Wednesday. So one of the trends that we're seeing during this year's open enrollment season, the premiums for, may, for many lower-cost plans have declined, but no longer may be the best plan for most generic drugs. And there's also a much greater cost difference using different pharmacies for the, the, within the same prescription drug plan. So basically, reviewing your Medicare drug coverage options, whether it's a standalone Part D plan or as part of an overall Medicare Advantage plan, 
can help save you maybe thousands of dollars, but time is running out. Open enrollment for 2023 Medicare drug plans ends next Wednesday. Now, early in the season when they opened up the Medicare drug enrollment period, I had Bill Tretrol on the show with me. Uh, Bill is a specialist in that area. I don't work in that area, so I'm not the person to call. But uh, Bill has actually been in my last three offices with me. He's upstairs in my office. We're out there on, on, on uh, the Pacific Highway. But you can call Bill, 360-312-7984, uh, if you need somebody to talk to, to sit down and compare it. I know he's really busy right now because the deadline is Wednesday. But, uh, again, you can call Bill at 360-312-7984. If you can't write that number down quick enough, you can call me, 360-733-1200, and I will give you that information. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up Live here in KGMI. We're going to take a quick break for little news and all those good advertisements. We'll be back shortly. DeWarden Bodie's Black Friday prices are available for one final weekend on appliances, barbecues, mattresses, and more. Don't miss your last chance to get the lowest prices of the year on the best selection of ranges, wall ovens, cooktops, microwaves, dishwashers, refrigerators, and so much more. Plus, mattresses, adjustable bases, boxes, pillows, and sheets are all on sale. Don't stress about the holidays. Shop today for delivery and installation before Christmas. This weekend, DeWarden Bodie is offering installation rebates up to $150 on select Bosch dishwashers and up to $250 on select Bosch refrigerators, ranges, wall ovens, and cooktops. Keep your cash for Christmas and pay no money down with special no-interest financing for up to 18 months on qualifying appliances and up to 72 months on qualifying mattresses. Don't miss your last chance to score Black Friday prices for the biggest savings of the year. This weekend at DeWard and Bodie in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. Enjoy your retirement at Meadow Greens, a retirement community offering warm, welcoming, independent, and assisted living apartments. Located on a premier golf course in beautiful Linden with panoramic views of green rolling hills and snow-capped mountains, Meadow Greens offers a fitness center, wellness programs, tailored social and recreational activities, and complimentary unlimited golf play with cart at Homestead Golf Club. One- and two-bedroom apartments with full kitchens are available, offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a more social meal at the Outward Nine Restaurant or the Duck Hook Bistro. Then relax with a glass of wine with friends or cozy up next to the fireplace with a good book in the library lounge. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Don't worry about your furnace on the coldest days of the year. Talk with West Mechanical, your independent train dealer, about replacing your old inefficient furnace with a train comfort system. Today, find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. CBS News Brief. Hate speech is on the rise on Twitter. Here's CBS's Steve Futterman. Since the online social media giant was taken over by Elon Musk, there's been a spike in tweets containing hate speech. This according to several groups, including the Anti-Defamation League. Daily slurs against African Americans have more than doubled. Anti-gay and anti-Semitic posts have also significantly risen. President Biden is pushing for Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock in the runoff election in Georgia. He faces Republican Herschel Walker. One of the things about Warnock is he has real character. He's a truly decent, honorable man. The November jobs report was released yesterday. Business analyst Jill Schlesinger on the big takeaways. The consistent theme is we are gradually slowing down. Job growth is decelerating. 
Employers added 263,000 jobs in November, while the unemployment rate stayed level at 3.7 percent. CBS News Brief, I'm Stacey Lynn. Because there ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you this Saturday morning. Thank you for being with us. And uh, anyway... I'm going to talk, as I mentioned earlier, the uh, Powell uh, statement this week uh, that he did signal smaller December hike amid hope for a soft landing. Um, He basically cemented those expectations that the Federal Reserve will step down from its aggressive pace of tightening in December and presented a case for achieving lower inflation without tipping the economy into a deep recession. So just how high rates will go and how long policymakers will hold them there depends on how the economic data rolls in as officials fight the highest inflation in 40 years. But Powell, in a speech and question and answer session on Wednesday, offered a guarded optimism that the price pressures will slow, sending U.S. stocks sharply higher as investors cheered the lack of a sharper-edged message from the Fed chair. His remarks as officials prepare to enter their blackout period ahead of December's 13th and 14th meeting, hardened bets they'll be downshift to a 50 basis point hike rather than after delivering four straight 75 basis point hikes here coming up to this time. Those, that means a half percent versus three quarters of a percent. Powell tried to walk a fine line between signaling a possible turning point and not sounding too encouraging for risk appetite. His main goal was to pin down a message of no easing in 23, a signal that got across. The market was encouraged because a longer hold strategy means not hiking too much more. The Fed's actions, which are the most aggressive since the 1980s, have lifted the target rate for their benchmark from 3.75% to 4% from nearly zero back in March. And Powell said the rates are likely to reach a somewhat higher level than the officials estimated in September when the median production was 4.6% next year. Those projections will be updated at the December meeting. He said the time for moderating the pace of rate increases may come as soon as the December meeting. He said this at the Brookings Institute on, uh, in Washington. The timing of that moderation is far less significant than the questions about how much further we will need to raise rates to control inflation and the length of time it will be necessary to hold policy at a restrictive level. He noted that goods prices had decelerated. Shelter inflation is also decreasing by some measures. On the other hand, service costs remain a challenge, particularly the cost of scarce labor to deliver them. He said it will take substantially more evidence to give comfort that inflation is actually declining. The truth is that the path ahead for inflation remains highly uncertain, is what he said. Anyway, the data has shown tentative signs of moderating labor demand, again, but more cooling is needed, and his remarks imply that the Fed will continue to raise rates until the three conditions, future deceleration of goods prices, lower shelter inflation, and softening labor demand fall clearly into place. When asked if the Fed could reduce inflation without tipping the economy into a steep downturn, Powell said he was optimistic that it could do so. He said, I do continue to believe that there's a path to a soft or a softish landing, and defining what is slight rise in unemployment without a severe recession. He said, the path is pretty clear. The labor market conditions soften, goods inflation gets higher, housing services inflation gets better, and you see inflation start to come down, and I mean, I think that it's very possible. Investors digested his message by slightly easing bets on where rates will peak next year to slightly below 5% from slightly above 5% before Powell spoke. Okay, well, we're also seeing some interesting labor news come out this week. Uh, One of those pieces that came out basically said that more Americans are leaving the workforce as the participation rate drops. And the participation rate basically is the percentage of eligible workers that could be working. 
and it fell for the third straight month in December, underscoring the business's ongoing struggle to find enough workers. The share of Americans either working or actively looking for work fell to 62.1%, according to government data that was released Friday. The rate had risen to 62.4% in August, marching a post-pandemic high, reached back in March, and remained significantly below where it was before the pandemic. And concerns about COVID-19, trouble finding child care, early retirements, and suppressed immigration have all contributed to the subdued workforce. The drop in participation is bad news for the Federal Reserve officials, who have aggressively been raising interest rates this year as they try to tame inflation. They were hoping they could, that cooling the economy would lure, lure workers back to jobs, but it hasn't happened yet. The participation rate for so-called prime-age workers, which is those 25 to 54, also dropped to 82.4 from 82.5%, and it remains below its pre-pandemic levels. And while participation declined for both men and women, a larger share of female workers left the labor force in the last month. Rather interesting numbers when you really sit there and think through what I just said. Um, let's go ahead and talk about job openings uh, while we're covering labor. We found that uh, U.S. job openings fall to 10.3 million, which is also contrary to this, but a helpful sign for the Fed. Uh, U.S. job openings fell in October, reversing a surprise jump in the prior month. It is a hopeful sign that the Fed uh, seeks to curb demand across the economy. The number of available positions decreased to 10.3 million in October from 10.7 a month earlier. The Labor Department's Job Openings and Labor uh, Turnover Survey, or JOLTS, report showed on Wednesday. The report suggests that demand for workers, while still robust, is, is moderating. And a darkening economic outlook and rising interest rates, even so, many employers are still struggling to fill open positions. Labor force participation is stuck between pre-pandemic levels and businesses continue to raise wages to attract and retain workers. And the persistent mismatch in supply and demand could continue for quite some time, which has led many economists to predict that businesses will hoard employees even as consumer spending wanes. Economic uncertainty paired with recent layoff announcements at several large companies also appeared to have more Americans more hesitant to leave their current roles. The quit rate, which is a measure of voluntary job leavers as a share of total employment, dropped to 2.6%. Now, that's the lowest since May of 2021. That means that's the lowest number of employees who have quit their job. And even then, some 4 million Americans did quit their jobs in October. And some of the largest decreases in vacancies were in state and local government, excluding education, non-durable goods, manufacturing, and federal government. Openings increased in other services and finance and insurance. The ratio of openings to unemployment people dropped 1.7 in October, matching the lowest in a year. This compares with, with roughly 1.9% 1.9 in September. And Fed officials watched that ratio closely. They pointed to the elevated number of job openings as a reason to why the central bank may be able to cool the labor market and therefore inflation without an, ins in 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 without an ensuing surge in unemployment. A separate report earlier Wednesday showed U.S. firms added 127,000 jobs this month. That was the lowest since January 21, according to the ADP Research Institute in collaboration with the Stanford Digital Economy Lab. And one quick note here, I guess, that I'll throw in here. Um, we're finding that education is a battleground, rather interestingly. And if you want to see the problem with American education, I saw a chart here that was rather interesting, and it shows the comparative growth of number of students, teachers, and district administrators in our public schools in a period of time from 2000 to 2019. That's over a period of 20 years. The number of district administrators grew by a whopping 87.6% during these years, far outstripping the growth in the number of students. So we had 87.6 more administrators in schools in the last 20 years. We had the number of students increase by 7.6%, and we had the number of teachers increase by 8.7%.
kind of shocking numbers when you sit down and you take them, think about what I just said. Anyway, Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here in KGMI. We're going to take a break a little bit early. We'll be back in a minute. Your home is your refuge these days, and hopefully that refuge is a cozy one. But the winter chill can put pressure on your furnace, and pressure on your furnace can sometimes lead to problems with the heat. If you're having HVAC issues, don't wait. Call Smith Mechanical today. Their expert technicians are quick, efficient, and ready to get everything running smoothly so that you can stay safe and snug at home. Keep your refuge cozy with Smith Mechanical, helping customers save time and money for over 25 years. Go to smithmechanical.com. To all the business owners and managers out there, Smith Mechanical salutes you. You've got a lot going on, from solving problems to keeping people safe. That means the last thing you need is a furnace on the fritz and a workplace that's positively freezing. So if your HVAC system starts acting up during these cold winter months, give Smith Mechanical a call. Their expert technicians are quick, efficient, and ready to take the burden off your hands. Smith Mechanical, helping businesses save time and money for over 25 years. Go to smithmechanical.com. Wilson's Furniture Black Friday event is on. The best prices of the year are happening now. Huge savings on furniture for every room in your home, just in time for the holidays. Don't miss Wilson's Black Friday sale on now through the 4th on Pacific Highway in Ferndale. The holiday season creates magical moments to connect with your child. Did you know that singing with children or talking about the colors or smells of the season builds their vocabularies and helps their brains grow? As a parent, I'm the most powerful influence in my child's life. By taking a little time every day to talk, read, and sing with them, I'm setting them up for a lifetime of learning from the day they are born. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, ideas, and resources to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning this season. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up Live. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. If you got questions for me, give me a call, 360-733-1200. Always glad to answer questions for you, so give us a call, 360-733-1200. Saw a couple of reports come out this week that uh, just kind of indicate uh, where we are as far as uh, in the economy as a whole. One of them is talking about the fact that we're seeing loans and hardship withdrawals from 401k plans on the rise. And basically, more Americans are tapping their 401ks for financial emergencies, with the percentage of retirement savers pulling money for hardship spiking 24% in the 12 months through September 30th, according to new data. For now, the overall percentage of savers withdrawing money for hardships remains low, rising to 1.3%. But about 60% of the activity came from savers with incomes below 60000 And that's according to a study by Empower Retirement of 4.3 million plan participants in mostly corporate retirement plans. Still, the increase speaks to the financial stress that basically Americans are under. Loans against 401k plans rose 13% in their study. More than half of all the loans and hardships withdrawals in the 12 months through September were taken by Gen Xers, who are between the ages of 40 and 57. And Fidelity Investments also saw an increase in hardship withdrawals among a universe of more than 21 million 401k plan, 401k plan participants. From January through October, 2.2% of their participants took withdrawals, up from a 1.9% average for all of 2021. And in recent history, the most common reasons for withdrawals were to avoid foreclosure or eviction, followed by medical expenses, according to Fidelity. And an investor that pulled money out of the uh, in 401k in a year or so might have to have had the luck to sidestep the S&P's drop. So if they took it out earlier in the year, it may may work out for them. But anyone contemplating pulling money from the market now is going to be locking in those losses from slumping stocks. So it might also be a good time that if you got a loan 
go ahead and accelerate paying it back because you're buying at a very good time, I think. But uh, basically, stocks and bonds uh, in, in the average 401k basically have seen uh, somewhere, according to Empower and uh, Fidelity, somewhere between a 23 and 27% negative returns in the last year. And with interest uh, paid on a loan goes back into the 401k accounts, borrowers are going to miss out with there's a sharp rally in the market and there's less money in the account, compounding tax deferred year after year. Not tax-free, tax deferred. Make sure we emphasize that. And in 401k plans that allow loans, you generally can take out up to 50% of your account balance, up to 50000 So in order to take that 50000 you have to have in a balance of at least $100,000. But if you lose your job, you may be required to pay that back, that loan, within a very short window, although some companies allow former workers to continue paying the loan off in installments. In contrast to a loan, money taken in a hardship withdrawal never goes back into the 401k, and the IRS says to do this kind of withdrawal, savers must have an immediate and heavy financial need. The money might be needed to forestall an eviction or foreclosure for funeral costs, for medical expenses, to cover expenses and losses from having one's home or primary residence, place of employment in a federal disaster area, or to pay tuition, or to buy a principal residence. Individual plans may choose to offer withdrawals for some or all or none of those needs. So, but rather interesting to see that... Uh, the number of people that actually have increased taking loans during this period of time have actually increased. So uh, not necessarily the best thing for most people to do, I don't think. We also saw a report come out this week talking about uh, from Redfin that talked about how home prices have dropped dramatically in uh, pandemic boom towns. And basically those pandemic hotspots where home prices shot up thanks to out-of-towners with deep pockets fleeing more expensive locales are now seeing their prices rapidly decline, according to the Redfin report. And they said home price growth has slowed most markedly in the fastest-growing pandemic boomtowns, including Austin, Texas, Phoenix, and Boise, Idaho. As high mortgage rates and uncertainty of the economy deter would-be buyers. Both Austin and Phoenix experienced about a 23% drop between February and October of this year. That's the most dramatic among 99 most populous U.S. metros. They said they compared October to February because in many U.S. metros, that's when the housing market was nearing the peak in terms of demand, according to Redfin. The findings uh, follow news last week that investor purchases of single-family homes plunged 32% in the third quarter. Except for the onset of the pandemic in early 2020, that was the steepest percentage plunge since the housing bust beginning in 2008, according to Redfin. They said home prices can only rise by double digits for so long before the growth is unsustainable. High rates and stumbling, uh, t- t- stumbling tech stocks are making it unsustainable, quite frankly, especially in destination popular for tech workers, plus many of the out-of-towners with big, uh, big budgets who wanted to move into these places have already made their moves. Austin's median price per square foot fell by 1% uh, or had fell to just 1% growth in October. That's a dramatic decrease from the 24% price growth year over year that the boomtown was experiencing in February when market rates were still hovering under 4%. That's interest rates. In Phoenix, the second hottest real estate uh, market during the pandemic, price per square foot was up 6% from a year ago, but that's down from from nearly 29% in February. Las Vegas experienced a 21% drop in price growth per square foot, followed by Boise, Oakland, and Sacramento, California, where prices fell 20% between February and October. And Phoenix, Austin, and Las Vegas are among the metros that gained the most new residents in 21, and Phoenix, Las Vegas, and Sacramento all consistently rank in Redfin's list of most popular destinations for homebuyers moving in from out of town. Boise and its suburbs have been among the fastest-growing cities in the U.S. over the last few years, attracting many new residents from California. 
Out-of-towners with big budgets helped drive up home prices in these popular destinations in 21 and 22. Home prices have increased more than 30% in the last two years in Phoenix, Austin, and Boise, with the typical home now selling about 500000 in all three. 500000 may sell low in a lot of cases. Um, but West Coast tech hubs have also seen price growth accelerate, according to Redfin. Sanaday's California, Oakland, and Seattle, which would be included in that, have all made it into Redfin's top 10 list where price per square foot have fallen most dramatically. Median price per square foot fell about 2% in San Jose in October, down from 20% growth in February. And buyers in the ultra-expensive Bay Area and Seattle markets are feeling the sting of higher mortgage rates and stumbling tech stocks even more than the rest of the U.S., that makes continued double-digit home growth unsustainable, according to Redfin. Meanwhile, price growth is, is speeding up in some affordable East Coast and Midwest areas, according to Redfin. For instance, the median price per square foot was up 11.2% year-over-year in Albany, New York. In October, up from 2.8% increase in February. And that's the biggest price acceleration in metros in this analysis, followed by Bridgeport, Connecticut, where price per square foot was up 7.5% in October, up from 4% in February, and McAllen, Texas, which saw an 18.7% jump from from 16.1% in February. All five of the metros where price growth has accelerated this year as the um, nationwide housing uh, cools are affordable places with relatively stable markets, and four of the five have median home prices below the national median, where Bridgeport is that exception. In addition to locales like Albany and McAllen, uh, they feel the impact of higher mortgage rates less than other areas as the lower the home price, the lower the dollar impact on monthly mortgage payments, according to Redfin. Some rather interesting numbers that we're seeing happening with real estate prices around the country. Okay, well, you know, how can we help our clients beat inflation by paying less tax. That's something we as advisors need to be looking at. And back in 1974, newly installed President Gerald Ford unveiled his plan to beat inflation with his slogan and lapel pin, Win. Whip inflation now. And the Win campaign was later seen as a huge public relations failure because it did nothing to address the inflation problem. And now that problem's back. Inflation, inflation is all we hear about. Yes, it's here. It means products and services cost more. People need more money to pay for these things. Where is it going to come from? Well, there are two obvious solutions, either earn more or spend less. But neither one is going to produce the additional cash needed to keep up with inflation. But there is one less obvious solution that we don't hear people talk about, and that's taxes. Smart tax planning can produce a windfall of cash for life and even beyond for beneficiaries. Tax planning is not as much fun as holiday shopping deals, but the savings can be massive and and last much longer. Tax planning can save thousands, tens of hundreds of thousands, or even millions in cases for those who most of their wealth is in tax for deferred retirement accounts. So we're going to talk about IRAs and 401k plans and ways to save taxes here. And those with substantial funds in the IRAs and 401ks will be subject to growing tax erosion after when increasing balances may be subject to higher taxes as these funds are withdrawn. These retirement accounts are tax deferred. These funds are not yet have, been ta- have not yet been taxed, but they will be, and they're likely going to be at higher rates. And so there is a time to think about that, and that may be now. The fundamental principle for all good tax planning is really very simple, but often not acted on enough. Always pay taxes at the lowest rates. That may sound simple, and it is simple. Think of tax rates like a stock. You want to buy low and sell high. It's the same thing for tax planning. Pay taxes when rates are low. The one-time comedian, Harry Youngman, said it best. I'm putting my money in taxes. The only only sure thing is that they're going to go up. He was right. Remember, the tax-deferred retirement balances will be taxed at some point. So the only question is, how how much will it cost? That's where the tax planning comes in. So we're suggesting many people may want to pay taxes now. And if they're not doing this, well, the first step is 
It's the most saving taxes is in paying those taxes may sound counterintuitive. But the secret to saving taxes long-term comes down to three words. Pay taxes now. Using this principle, you can help control your taxes in the future. You know, I get it. No one wants to pay taxes up front, but that's short-sighted, especially right now when tax rates are at all-time low. But these rates are temporary. After 2025, tax rates are set to increase unless there's legislation to change that. But given our massive deficit and deficit levels, this seems unlikely. So to put it another way, it's highly unlikely that today's rates are going to be lower or much lower than they are today. So at some point, tax rates are going to increase. And to keep, keep our nation solvent, when that happens, the people most likely to get stuck paying the bill are those with the largest IRAs and 401ks, putting them directly in the IRS's crosshairs. These tax-deferred accounts are at high risk of, having, of being lost in the future. So there's some things that we need to look at. We need to identify those clients, for example, that have the highest risk. We have to take advantage of some things like those of you that are in your pre-RMD strategy, which means that you have not met the age where you have to start taking RMDs out yet. We've got some SAFSOC software that we can run where we can sit down and run comparisons for you to help you do this. Also, we do a ton of qualified charitable donations. Those are all ways that we can take money out of your IRAs and wind up with a substantial tax savings. And, of course, using state estate planning, I see my day here in music hanging, you could also look at donating money to charity, especially in your estate plan. This has been Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. Don't forget to our live, or our, our show tomorrow morning, 9 o'clock. If you got questions for me, again, give me a call, 360-733-1200. And thanks, and have a great week. The opinions voiced in Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, a registered investment advisor.